Hi, I'm Roger Blackmore. I'm the lead pastor at Genesis Church on Long Island in New York. Thanks for downloading our podcast. I hope it's a blessing to you. If you want to learn a bit more about our church, then check out our website, genesisli.com. And of course, if you live within traveling distance of us, we'd love to see you in person on Sunday morning, worshiping with us. So here's today's message. Enjoy. So we're continuing this series that started uh, uh, not long after really everything went uh, up in the air. And uh, today is day 3,497 of the lockdown. And uh, we're talking about what matters most, which a lot of us have kind of, in many areas of life, have uh, taken a fresh look at that over the last couple of months. And what I want to talk about today is something that's good for us individually in life and really talking about us as church too. What matters most is the mission. What matters most is the mission. What God wants us to be doing. The winter of uh, 1971-72 was an interesting one for my wife and I. We were waiting for the arrival of our first child. Um, It was a cold winter. There was snow on the ground, and uh, we didn't have a car. We lived in a town with good public transport, but we didn't have much money anyway. So we didn't have a car. So every Tuesday, we would go to the prenatal clinic, uh, in the hospital in the city near to us. Um, and, and as we got to the stage of like nine months pregnant, some of you ladies will identify with this, when you don't really want to do anything except get rid of this child. Sorry, have the child, sorry. But, you, um, but to travel. So what we had to do is we, would, we, we walked and it, we, we lived on a quite a steep hill. We had to walk up the top of the hill, middle of winter, wait for the bus to arrive, go nine miles on the bus, the bus dropped us conveniently right at the gate of the hospital. It was a long walk then up to the building itself. And he, here, here was Jill, nine months pregnant, and doing that. And the baby was due. That day we had to go, but baby wasn't coming. Now, I was a young pastor, and uh, I had priorities in life, like pastoring. So I'd had several conversations with this infant in the womb and said to him, okay, here's the ground rules. You cannot come on a Sunday because I'm very busy. You really shouldn't come on a Tuesday because I've got a full day and then I've got a prayer meeting at the church and I'm tired after that. And you can't come on a Thursday because I've got a full day, then I'm doing a Bible study at the church and I'm tired after that. So tell you what, son, you can pick your day, but you can't come Sunday, Tuesday, or Thursday. So this Tuesday, we go through to the uh, prenatal clinic, and, the, and they say, yeah, wait another week. A week later, we hike through again, and there's nothing happening. We, uh, I, I do my church service in the evening, uh, go home, I'm ready to sleep, I'm lying in bed, Jill's taking a bath, I hear a sound, I shout, are you all right? She said, I think it's happening. It was Tuesday. This kid didn't know a thing. He was going to be a problem from day one. We knew it was a he. We didn't find out those things in ahead of time in those days, but we just knew it was a he. So he didn't even know what he was meant to do. And right enough, off we go to the hospital in the middle of the night, and in the middle of that night, she was born. 
a problem from day one. But I, I, I just remember that winter, the anticipation of the birth. Today, on the church calendar, is the church's birthday. Historically, this was when the church was first born. So what, what had happened and where we, where we are, and you'll appreciate this, was historically at this period, the Jewish Feast of Pentecost, or the Feast of Weeks, takes place. That happened 50 days after Passover. You remember it was Passover time that Jesus was arrested and crucified. So it was the Feast of Weeks, which was a celebration of the wheat harvest and also came to be associated with the celebration of the giving of the Ten Commandments. Seven weeks it was after the resurrection of Jesus. Jerusalem was full of people who'd come up to the city for the celebration of the feast to thank God for His provision. But that year, the year that I'm looking at now in the Bible, on that year, the Feast of Pentecost took on a whole other significance because that was the day that God empowered His, His disciples supernaturally by the Holy Spirit, and they began their task given them by Jesus of preaching the gospel to others. So it's the church's birthday today. Happy birthday. Have cake. No. So what had been happening is this. In the book of Acts chapter 1 and verse 3, it says this about Jesus. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So there were random appearances of Jesus for 40 days after his resurrection. And now here in the book of Acts chapter 1, it goes on and gives us some details of a conversation Jesus had with his disciples on one particular day. Verse 8 says this, He told them, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So that's what he said to them. Here's what's going to happen. And then, they weren't expecting this and they weren't ready for it. What happened next is this. It says, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Jesus went back to heaven. He said, you wait in Jerusalem, you're going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, and you're going to be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. And what followed was a most incredible time. They stayed in Jerusalem, they prayed for 10 days, and then they came to this period, the Feast of Weeks, Pentecost. The Bible says that as they were praying, the whole place was filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They broke out onto the streets and started sharing about Jesus. That day, church's birthday, it says 3,000 people were baptized and added to them. Isn't that incredible? I bet the apostles' arms were tired. But that's a, that's a lot of people to baptize, trust me. But 3,000 people, it says, were baptized. Uh, and then later in that chapter, it says, the Lord added to them daily those that were being saved. Now, a lot of that 3,000 were visitors to Jerusalem who left the city, but actually there must have been a number who stayed. Then it says more were added to them daily, 
And then over in Acts chapter 4 and verse 4, it says this, many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. So suddenly, we've got a church of 5,000. Now, I really don't want to get into, was it 5,000 men and they really didn't count women? We won't go there today. We'll just say the church is getting bigger. That's, that's the point. Acts 5 verse 12, the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. So some fantastic things were happening. The believers used to get together to worship together. More and more were added to their numbers. In fact, at one time then, the, the accusation was made by the religious leaders to the apostles, said, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. Wow. So the church's birthday, the church started with a bang, and it went from strength to strength to strength. Now, the crucifixion of Jesus is thought to have been around the year 30 A.D. Then these fantastic years happened for the church in Jerusalem. But then by about the year A.D. 36, there was some concerning, disturbing things happening in Jerusalem where the church and the Christians were getting really persecuted. So six years later, they were going through a tough time. But let me just backtrack. Before Jesus went back to heaven, he said, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Some other of his parting words are recorded by Mark in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Stick with me because there's a point here. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Matthew records this conversation Jesus had with his disciples before he went back to heaven. And these are all going down the same street. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That was what he told them to do. All the earth, the ends of the earth, the whole world, but six years after Jesus spoke those words, and six years after the, the instigation, the start, the launch of the church, six years had gone by, and do you know how far they had gone? Nowhere. Nowhere. The church was in Jerusalem. That was it. Now, they were having a high old time in Jerusalem. They were having a fantastic time in Jerusalem. Their services were crowded. They met in smaller groups in homes all around the city. There were people coming to faith in Christ every day. There were miraculous things happening. But do you know how far that had spread? It hadn't gone outside of the city walls. Nowhere. They were having a good time where they were. And you know what? One of the lessons for you and I as individuals from that is this. The enemy is… Let's try that again. I'll get it right this time. The good is the enemy of the best. They were having a great time there. Reminds me of a time when Peter, James, and, uh, uh, Peter and, and Andrew went… No, Peter, James, and John went up the mountain with Jesus, had a phenomenal experience where his appearance changed. And uh, 
Moses and Elijah appeared with him, talking to him. And Peter said to Jesus, this is amazing. Can we stay here? And God said, shut up. Well, not exactly. That's my translation. When he said that, what the Bible says is a voice from heaven kind of came and really just cut him off. And they didn't stay there. They actually went down the mountain. As they were going down the mountain, they met a family with a boy who was incredibly disturbed, and his parents were at the end of themselves, and Jesus healed him. No, because the story couldn't end there. But the fact is, for, it's so natural for us to look for a place of comfort and settle in a place of comfort. And the church can do that too. Few people attain great lives, in part just because it's easy to settle for a good life. What matters most to us as a church is the mission. It isn't to find the place where we're comfortable. It isn't to find the situation where everything's good for us. What matters to us as a church is the mission. And the mission hasn't changed from that day to this day. Jesus said, you'll be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. He said, go and make disciples of all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He, he said, go into all the earth and preach the gospel. What matters most to us has always got to be the mission. Now, Here's what I want to encourage you in as an individual, and I totally am convinced that this is vital for us as a church. Live in the now, but look to what's next. Live in the now. Be fully present in the now. Put every, effort, every energy of effort you can into life as it is now, but be looking for what's next. I'll give you a couple of really good questions. Is there more that God has for me? Is there more that God asks of me? You see, it's so easy to just plain settle. And, and, and you know what? In the 21st century here in the United States of America, it's like life has a prescribed course. So you do your schooling, you go to college, you get a job, you work your way up in the job. Somewhere in that process, you maybe find a partner, you buy a house, you have some children, and then the cycle of life continues. Nothing wrong with that. But is there more that God has for you? Is there more? In four weeks' time, if I'm still around, which God willing, I will be, four weeks from now, I'll have hit my 70th birthday. But I'm going to tell you this, as I approach my 70th birthday, I don't believe I've preached my best sermons yet. And you're sitting there saying, I hope not, right? But I, I, I don't believe I've preached my best sermons. I don't think I've lived my most exciting moments. I don't think I've seen my greatest victories or achieved my greatest breakthroughs. I have definitely not exhausted the possibilities of what God has got for me. Listen, live in the now, but look to what's next. What's next? And what's true of individuals is true for churches too. Six years after the church was started, they were stuck in the now, which was good, but not looking 
to the next. And you know what? That's not what they had learned. In the first chapter of Mark's gospel, it records an incredible day in the life of Jesus when he was starting his ministry. And it started with him in the synagogue in Capernaum when he helped someone and healed him. And then he went from there and, you know, like in the 21st century, what would you do after church? You eat. Unless you're sitting watching it at home, you're probably eating during church, but that's all cool, right? So, so uh, they went to eat, and they went to one of, one of Jesus' disciples, Simon, Peter. He said, hey, let's go see my mother-in-law. And they go to the mother-in-law's house, but the mother-in-law is sick. So Jesus healed her. There is no truth to the rumor that Peter denied Jesus to get his own back because he healed his mother-in-law. That's a malicious rumor, and I'm sure it's really not true. Uh, so, so, so he, he, he healed the mother-in-law, and, uh, and then it says, uh, then it says she, she fed them all. That was a smart move, right? And then it says that evening they brought their sick from all around, and he healed them all. That's an incredible day, Right? Now, the next morning, Jesus got up early and went out to pray. Now, the disciples didn't know where he'd gone, so they come looking for him, and they find him. And they say to Jesus, hey, listen, you need to come back because there's already people on their way, and uh, they want you to help them and to heal them, and they want to hear from you. You need to come. And here's what Jesus said in Mark 1 and verse 38. Jesus replied, let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That's why I've come. That's the way the disciples had learned from, from Jesus. You don't stay where you are as good as it is while there are still others out there somewhere who need to hear the good news and need to get connected with God. There has to be the next. What's next? Where do we go to next? It's, uh, it's, it, we have a great relationship with uh, uh, Pastor Freddie and a terrific church in San Marcos in the Dominican Republic. And uh, Pastor Freddie just knows that one of my favorite questions is, what's next? And uh, when we were standing in the new church building that we were able to get built for them um, last October, November, I don't know, the end of last year, and uh, Freddie looked at me and said, I know. I said, what do you know? He said, I know what you want to ask me, what's next? And I said, yeah, you're right, because we should never settle where we are when God wants us moving forward. I became very unsettled towards the end of last year, you know, uh, very, very sort of unsettled about where we were at as a church. And where we were at was a great place. I mean, it, it really was, you know, and um, on, on Sundays, our attendance was really good, uh, two services, and people coming in, meeting new people, people coming to faith in Christ, so many good things happening, but I was, I was restless. And you know why I was restless? Because if you were to travel 15 miles from where we are now, we aren't making a great deal of impact in those communities. Hey, this is good for us and for those who, who, who could get to a particular location and, and who would travel. So actually, at the start of this year, we, we, I shared something with our staff team 
that I, I said, you know, I really want us to start looking into this this year. And, and I'd had this idea of what I call pop-up church, right? Because you do that, and they have pop-up stores and pop-up this, that, and the other, right? Pop-up church. So what we do is we find a location, uh, maybe sort of you know, a, a number of miles east of here, from which people are probably not going to find out about us, even though we've got a few people from there who are part of our church, and let's find a place, and let's advertise it, let's ask our folks to invite their friends, and let's do like a one-night sampler of the Genesis experience. And then let's go somewhere about 15 miles to the west, and and let's try somewhere there. And then let's go, we can't go 15 miles north, or we'll fall into Long Island Sound, but let's go as far as we could north, and let's find a place there, and let's do pop-up church. You know why? Because there are more people out there who still need Jesus that we need to connect with. I thought that was a great idea. It won't happen this year. This year. Because something else happened this year. On Sunday, March the 8th, we had our final service in this building for quite a while. On Sunday, March the 15th, our only way to be able to have service was to live stream. And on Sunday, March the 15th, God didn't take this church 15 miles in either direction. God took us hundreds and several thousand miles in different directions. And on Sunday the 15th of March, what actually happened was God helped us to break out of a building and actually connect with people who are totally all over the place. And while a lot of people felt that when the lockdown happened, it was going to be a case of how can we make sure this church survives, what actually happened is we started to see that the church can actually thrive and the church can grow and the church can expand and we can fulfill our mission so much better right now because there are people right around this country and you are here with us and you are part of us. I think that's phenomenal. I think that's phenomenal. Live in the now, but look to what's next. There's something else I want to say here and this is so true of the early church and how God finally got them to do the mission Transition often comes from turmoil. Sometimes it takes a gigantic upheaval before things change. So here's the church that's in Jerusalem, and everything's going great, and they're, but they're stuck in the confines of that city, having a great time. And then some persecution broke out, severe persecution. A man by the name of Stephen is killed because of his faith in Jesus. And here's what it says in Acts 8.1. On that day, the day that Stephen was killed, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. I want you to notice what that says. The day the persecution broke out in Jerusalem, the disciples were scattered. There are two ways to do this, disciples. 
there's the easy way of doing what Jesus told you to do, and there's the hard way of doing what Jesus told you to do. The easy way, you can really pretty much make the choices. The hard way is going to hurt. How many of you learn most of your lessons in life the hard way? <laughs> right? Yeah. And that's what happened with the early church. But I want to tell you this, God has an incredible ability of bringing good from out of bad. You know that stuff in Romans 8 about all things working together for good for those who love God? You know what? It works. It works. God does that. And some of you have seen that. You've seen that in your life. Losing a job was a disaster on many levels. But it opened you up to moving in a whole different direction you would never have imagined, and you're that much happier today. Not getting into the school you wanted to go to sucked. But in the college you ended up in, there was this cute girl. Hey, and you're sitting watching, worshiping with us this morning with her alongside you. Hey, guess it worked out good. When he walked out the door, your world fell apart. But in time, a whole new world opened up to you. A better world rose from the ashes. Often it's turmoil that leads to transition. Very often. So left to themselves, the disciples weren't going to be leaving Jerusalem. They're, they were having a great time there. And then this awful persecution arose. So they were scattered all over the place. And here's what it says in Acts 8 and verse 4. Those who had been scattered preached the Word wherever they went. Because <laughs> wherever they went, they were Christ followers. Wherever they went, they were believers. Wherever they went, they couldn't help sharing their story. And wherever they went, there were people who hadn't heard the gospel story yet. Wherever they went, there, there, there was a huge opportunity to talk to people about their faith. So guess what? It took them six years. It took them suffering. It took them persecution. But ultimately, they make the transition that God wanted them to make. Sometimes the shift from where you are now to where God wants you to be does begin with devastation. This is our 12th Sunday of doing church totally online by live stream. It's a new experience for me, and it is for us all too. But the fact is this. Through it, because of it. To, to quote, uh, the, the, there's, a, there's a verse in, in 1 Corinthians where the Apostle Paul says this. He says, God has opened a great effective door for me. And you know what has happened through the turmoil that our country is in right now, through the epidemic? You, you know what's happened through that? For the church of Jesus Christ, a great and effective door is open to us for a couple of reasons. One is because a lot of people are beginning to say, I need something here to anchor me, and I need something that I can really lean on in this troubled time, and they are turning towards 
church and they are looking for some comfort. And that is why the numbers of people that are viewing church services online has absolutely soared right across this country and in other countries too. A great effective door has opened for us. So actually, the world did not end the first Sunday that we could not do church here together. What actually happened the first Sunday we could not do church here together was the world opened up to us. Thank God. And I'm going to tell you this. I don't anticipate doing this, but I'll preach empty chairs for the rest of my life if I can connect with people in some other place who don't know Jesus yet. Now, don't misinterpret that. Some of you just heard me say, hey, we're never going to have services in our building. Yeah, we will. Yeah, we will when the time's right. But we will be a different church because we are a different church now. We're not going back to where we were because we're not just a bunch of people who live within easy reaches of geographic uh, particular location. We are now a church which is made up of people who are spread all over the place and who connect with us and say, this is where I get my spiritual nurturing from. This is where I get my God connection. And I want you to know this morning that you might be on the west coast of the United States States, or you might be in some other country, but I value you as much a part of this church congregation as anyone who could come and sit in the chairs physically. We're together. We're together. And what has come out of the turmoil is a transition that is a God thing. It would never have happened if it weren't for the storm. The mission never changes. The message never changes, but the method will often change, often. And then let me just say this. Our discomfort can change people's destinies. Our discomfort can change people's destinies. So, the church endures this unbelievable persecution. So much so that a lot of the believers flee from the city of Jerusalem. And, and one of them, a man by the name of Philip, Philip runs because of the persecution, and he ends up in the region of Samaria. And he does what other believers were doing. He starts talking to people about his faith, and he has opportunities to pray for people. And some unbelievable things happen. So, in Acts chapter 8 and verse 5, here's what it says. It says, going down to a Samaritan city, Philip proclaimed the message of the Messiah. So, he had this opportunity. Now, the Jewish people didn't like the Samaritans. Uh, they had differences with them racially, politically, socially, uh, theologically, they, they, they just didn't like them. That would have been the last place that Philip or anybody else would have gone to, even though Jesus said, go to everywhere. But he was driven down to Samaria. And you know what the outcome of that was? Acts chapter 8 and verse 8. And what joy in the city. The whole city that he was in was radically impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ and it would never have happened if it weren't for the turmoil of persecution. It's a few years ago now that we started uh, live streaming our Sunday services, and uh, we had 
the basic equipment to do a basic job. The idea in my mind of doing that was there might be people who will have a look at that and then actually come and start attending our services. And then, of course, it was always there as a way to serve those who did come to our services who might not be able to be there on any given Sunday. The whole thing really was intended, though, to connect so it became a hook to actually bring people into the building. But that's changed, too, because now this is the line of communication with folks from all over who are part of our church. And, and, and I'm sitting here right now, and I'm looking at you, but I haven't got a clue who most of you are. That's, that's okay with me, if it's okay with you. I mean, maybe as the journey goes along, we'll be able to connect in some way or another. But you, you know what? If I can serve you and minister to you and, and share peace and hope and God's love to you on a regular basis, and uh, you're watching uh, regularly, uh, I think I'm doing what Jesus wanted us to do. Go everywhere and preach the good news. Go everywhere and preach the good news. Our congregation now is all over. I only know where it is because sometimes you comment on our Facebook feed and say, hey, I'm watching from so-and-so. I'm watching from so-and-so. That's the only way we really know. There are people who haven't been inside a church building for years and who frankly don't intend to. But you've reconnected with church and I hope feel better connected to God because you're with us and with our live stream on a regular basis. And I do want to reiterate, I count you as much a part of our church as anyone, because God brought us together. We want to serve you wherever you are at. We may never connect with you personally. We may never even know who you are. And that's okay if that's your comfort area. But I am just blessed that in the middle of the upheaval of these past few months, people are finding a way to connect with God and plug into church. And we are privileged to become a part of that. What matters most is the mission. We must never get hung up on one method. We've got to live the mission. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 22, the Apostle Paul says this. He said, to the weak I became weak, to win the weak. I've become all things to all people so that by all means possible I might save some. I want to tell you this. I'll do anything on earth apart from sin if I can help people find Jesus. I'll do it any way we need to do it. I'll, I'll do it in any fashion we need to so that we can identify with folks who need Christ and we can help them find Christ. The, Paul said he met people where they were at. And I am blessed today that for us as a church, we've been able to meet so many of you right where you at, right where you are at, and that we're able to do that right now. And by God's grace, this mission will continue. There will come a Sunday when we have services again in this physical building. But I want you to know that doesn't mean to say this is the church, this is Genesis. 
Genesis, and out there we've got some other people who watch us, what that means is we are all Genesis. Some can come here, some of you are in other places, but we have one church that is scattered around, and by God's grace, He has thrown us outside of the confines of our Jerusalem so that what is happening right now is that the good news indeed is spreading to our Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth, like California. That's different. That's somebody the other week from Seattle, Washington, who was watching us. And, hey, if, if you've got a second, just type in now, just because that, that thought made me curious. Type in. If you're from, like, anywhere but Long Island, hey, Long Island's great. We love you being here. I'm just curious. Just type in on Facebook and tell us what state if you want or what city you're in so that we can celebrate together how God has connected us and is connecting us. What matters most for our church is the mission, and God has used and is using our discomfort to change people's destinies. I want to ask you just to pray with us and for us as a church that as we move forward, God will give us the wisdom we need and the help we need, and that really God will enable us to reach more and more people, because that's our mission. As Charlotte said earlier, tonight we're having a Zoom get-together for folks who are new to us, and if you've been watching our live stream, I'm going to invite you to join that, and there's no pressure. You might not be ready for that yet, but if you want to just come into a Zoom where Actually, you know, it's, it's a live thing. We could chat a little with some of the folks who are newer to us. Just do go to our website, genesisli.com, and there's a link right there for our newbies night tonight. And, and we'd love to just kind of get to see you face to face if you're comfortable with that at this stage. We'd love to. But the bottom line is this. Wherever you are now, wherever you're watching from, I want you to know that being part of this church means we're part of a mission together. We're not a place to come to. We're a purpose to connect with. And our purpose is to seek and to save those that are lost. Amen. Let's pray.